My sister, Lori Vallow, murdered her children, Tylee and JJ, and buried them in a pet cemetery. And we're all trying to make sense of it. So let's talk about it. Okay, we are back with Craig Shoemaker, and we were just talking about the man crush that I have on him and that he's my favorite comedian. And he was, we were talking about how we met and all that. So, um, Craig, you go ahead. I put you in a marijuana movie and I don't even know that you, you don't even smoke marijuana, but we put you as a, uh, as a, as a white, rich white guy inhaling some really good pot. So I'm fine. AK 47 or whatever you call it. Yeah. We wrote a scene just for you and two other DJs that were in it. That's right. That was funny. So yeah, I am in a movie. I've never smoked pod before. I don't. I don't know anything about it. And the movie is about if pot was legalized. Twenty years later, it's now legalized. This movie came out way before that. I don't smoke pot either, but it should have been legalized, and it was. It's called baked. It was because my son. I was singing that song, Joker Smoker, Midnight Toker, and he's little. He goes, "What's a toker?" I go, "It's someone smokes pot, Justin." And he pulls out a pot from the spaghetti pot, and he goes, "How do you smoke this, Dad?" I go. <laughs> probably try to smoke a, a spaghetti pot and a colander so yeah you were you're like, nice enough to fly in and do the movie and uh, you had your big uh, guest star appearance you probably ne- never even seen the movie that's how clean you are no i i uh, my son has sent him and all of his friends the video of me in the movie and they all just laugh as to move they just they all just laugh great yeah uh, well tell them to watch the whole damn thing i could use the re- <laughs> all right uh quick question are you related to rex yeah rex is my uncle i knew you know he looks like your brother yep so rex rex how many times have you heard that that is a common even in our family alex and i joked about it all the time if you saw the movie uh splash back in the 80s daryl hannah and all that. Yeah. Tom Hanks goes to the island, and there's two guys helping the character there. And the guy said, "No, we're I'm just here with the moron twins." They said, "We're not twins." So Alex and I always said that. That was our our catch line all the time. That's yeah, look at I, I heard he passed away. I'm going, well, look at this. He just aged a little, but uh, here he. <laughs> I just say it right. Well, it's good to meet you, Rex. Yes, I. Comedy and, and, and hopefully physical, also man crush of Adam for many uh, for many years. You're looking at me going, geez, Adam's Adam's got to get some glasses or something. <laughs> but uh, so glad to be with you. And it's odd how we ended up connect, reconnecting again. Really odd, if you want to tell that story. So uh, I get a, a text from Craig, and he said he, he said I was watching a Netflix special, and I saw your somebody who I thought I knew. And then I saw your face, and then I saw you talk, and I said, oh my gosh, what is going on? And the Netflix special, obviously, was the Lori and Chad and Alex story. And um, and you, it really hit home for you. A, you know me, and you, you've met Alex and talked to him several times. But B, you were watching, you've, you've been watching a lot of cult things recently. Well, because my wife joined a cult and I have no idea what to do. And now when it's your friend of many years, who's the brother of a thing called sins of my mother. I mean, obviously you've got to be kidding me. And I kept looking at it and I'm looking at your brother going, you know, I see him doing stand up. I'm going, wait a minute. I, I helped him a little bit with stand up. I, I know this guy and, and was freaking me out. So what's really great about the freak out. And this, this goes for anybody that's dealing with something like this. You're alone. 
And for once, I wasn't alone. I got to call you. We talked and we talked for an hour. Now we will hear. That's the biggest problem with the whole cult thing is no one wants to believe you. They're not going to believe you. They live in denial. They see red flags and paint them green. And I'm a big truth teller. That's the biggest problem I have is a lot of people hate me because I'll, I'll go, no, here's what the truth is. And then they go, oh, no, you're abusive. You're whatever you are. They label you the control freak, you the narcissist or whatever it takes to make you to deflect and make you go away. So I'm at the point where I'm going, who can I talk to about this? Uber? And who knew? It's, my, it, it's, it's, it's man crush. <laughs> well, the funny thing about that is our podcast has always been, Rex and I have said, look, we're here to tell the truth. Whatever the truth is, if the truth is going to hurt us, we're okay with that. Uh, if the truth is going to devastate us, it's okay. We need to know the truth. So our podcast has been us being transparent and honest as, as much as we can about everything uh, and then try to work from there. And so for you to say that you're also, when you do tell the truth, the problem is, is that sometimes people attack you for telling the truth, which is very hard to take. I was on in politics, 100%. And I've always said, you know what it really is? It boils down to ego. People's ego is so strong that if you're watching a magic show, a lot of people go, no, that's real magic. Don't you tell me that I saw a dove coming out of a guy's ass? No, I mean, <laughs> it, absolutely not. There's something wrong with you for even telling me that there's a dove there. But no, you get attacked for it because of people's ego. So what I say, you know, I'm a coach now, personal coach. In transformation, I say, you know what ego is? Evading growth opportunity. You're taking an opportunity for your own growth and you're allowing ego, which has to do with your image, your self-image, what you think the people need to think about you or whatever it is. And you're evading, you're avoiding that growth opportunity because you can now grow by finding truth, by discovering the truth of yourself and others. That's That dig is fantastic to unpack that. My best freedom is that, not staying the same or joining a group and just repeating what the narrative says in the echo chambers. That's what people are doing now. They just repeat what they're told from their chosen echo chamber. I love being independent, but I will tell you this, though. This is why I'm so happy we reconnected. It is a lonely business. Being an independent, not being led by any group, any people you deify, and that's the problem with cults. They prey upon the people that are vulnerable enough to follow. And that's what they do. And they get angry if you even bring it up. I'm going, no, no, look, look at this. Look over here. And then it's the way you say it. Because I'm I'm also big. And obviously, you know, a big white guy is always going to get nailed as the abuser. Me too. Whatever. We're an ist. There's always an ist or a phobe attached to it. I'm just going, no, I'm a human being. Having this experience that is really frightening. It's frightening how far it can go. As long as you remain in denial, this is why there are wars. The wars are from people that are in denial of the, the run-up to the war. They just want to turn their heads and stay with their group and not be shunned, not be dismissed. It's pure pressure. And that's what they always rely on. The shenanigans that goes on, the frauds and the crooks and the cons, they all rely on those people to be okay with it and paint the red flag green, turn their heads move away, avoid anything except for, let's speak about the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Literally, it sets you free. Think about if people listened to you with the truth and could have confronted this. So let's, That's let, not let's point that out, Adam. I, I know a lot of the listeners have heard this part of your story, but not everyone. And just to um, parallel what Craig is saying, what was your 
What was the response when you started telling the truth about what you were observing with Lori? What was the response of those around you, immediately around you? They, well, obviously the people that were the closest to me that I thought would have a bigger impact on Lori was, of course, my mom and dad and my sister. I knew that Alex had already jumped on Lori's bandwagon just by having a conversation with him and listening to him talk. And I was like, oh my gosh, he is literally buying into Lori's crap. And I was like, so he, I can't talk to him about it. I've tried to. And he was like, oh no, you know, like he's part of this thing. So when I went to my parents and said, hey, we got to do something that we need an intervention. We need something. We got to fix Lori. Lori is sick. Like there's something wrong with her. And they said, leave her alone. She hasn't hurt anybody. And I was like, what do you mean leave her alone? She's, we're her family. Do you not love it? Then I started going off. Do you not love Lori? Because if you love her, you are going to, we got to do something to help her. She needs help. She's going down a crazy path right now. And they're like, she hasn't hurt anybody. She lives in her little delusion and let her do that until she comes out of it. And you see all people react when they hear about these shootings, these mass shootings. Oh, it's mental illness. Well, what are you doing about the mental illness? You're completely ignoring it. Nobody's doing anything about because we're afraid to confront one of the greatest days of my life. That sounds weird. But I I did an intervention, an alcohol intervention on someone. I went with these family members. In the afternoon, we walk in, and there she was, cigarettes everywhere. She had this gigantic wound on her elbow that she was dabbing the blood off of because she had fallen off the bed, or beer can, cigarettes, watching Steve Wilkos in the middle of the day. She goes, what are you guys doing here? And it was, everyone in that room was frightened. I wasn't related to her, the sister, and all these people. They were frightened. Wouldn't even, one left her purse in the car. She goes, in case I have to run. What are we afraid of? Like, literally, what are you afraid of? So they were so scared of her. And she said, get out of here. What are you doing here? She, I just fell off the bed because it's a bad bed. You know, oh, yeah, sure. It has nothing to do with the cans that are laying everywhere. Everybody is in denial. And then they're accepting her words. And, no, I, I got on the bed. I looked at her. I said, we love you. That's why we're here. We love you. And it doesn't have to be like this. And we had a whole thing planned, an intervention, or where she was going to go, rehab and everything else. But that was that was for alcohol. I mean, that's the thing is with the people that join cults, there's no, there's only the cult that you have as the bottom. I look with Catherine Oxenberg. I talked to her, what she went through with the the vow, you know, the Nexium cult. Her daughter was in it. It's she spent, you know, years trying to get her daughter out of that thing. They're branding each other and all this stuff. Now, finally, after all that time, because they have money, a lot of times the cults have money. So what what are you going to do? You got to get on the bed like I did. And that woman ended up in rehab, by the way. Not right away, but she ended up in rehab. And, and at least if she goes out and drinks again, she knows that the voice is still there from everybody who was concerned. Everybody saying, listen, this drinking is not working for you. It's not working for anyone. Here's how it's affecting us. And that's that's what my my now ex-wife, I want some, I want some people to be brave enough to sit on that bed and not go, no, d- don't involve your children. The children are involved. They have to deal with this every day. Every day, they see the manifestations of someone who's been brainwashed completely to the point of violence, to the point of kidnapping, to all this up. So what's next? Well, your movie's what's next. The movie of what happened in your life, that's what's next. My fear is, and I go, oh, stop it. She's would never, would never. I go, that's what Adam said, too. That's what the family, they would never. No, they would never. And then it's just the denial that people are in. But it's this way in society, period. You know, like. 
when they didn't have weapons of mass destruction. I'm not getting political here, so don't get upset, everybody. But it's a fact that there were no weapons of mass destruction. But I remember at the time I was questioning you going, this seems like BS to me. And they're not listening to this guy that says there are none because it becomes a whole run up. And then everybody with the peer pressure gets involved and they all go, oh, no, it's you. You're the conspiracy theorist and you're the problem. You're the problem. You're the abusive male, whatever it is. And I'm going, whoa, 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 wait. I'm just going to show you behind the curtain. That's what comedians do, ironically. We pull the curtain. We go, look, there's an idiot back there going, don't look behind the curtain. You know, they don't want to What's going on? Wizard of Oz is a great metaphor because he keeps them in this area. You know, hot, he gives them a barbershop, hot, a couple of la-di-dahs, and now we laugh today. Oh, there's Mario Lanova. Snip, snip, snip. You know, and they get, here's a horse of a different color. Oh, you're all happier. Don't go outside the walls, though, because we're going to tell you what you should fear. Turns out the fear was all BS. She melted away with just some water. It was a bunch of just like a lot of a lot of things are BS. We've got to call it, but we got to confront it and move towards it, not away from it. Avoidance of pain is way worse than pain. I found that to be true so many times. If you avoid the pain, it just festers and it gets worse and worse and worse. Look at the pain your sister was in. She's in enormous pain and no one helped her deal with it properly. They ran from it. Oh, she's okay. There she is. Wheel of Fortune. She's all happy. She's got kids and all. She's in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. She's fine. No, not fine. There's something to be dealt with. And then that's what I'm dealing with my ex-wife. Well, she's not my ex yet. We're going through a divorce. She's my next wife. I guess I call her my next wife. <laughs> so you said a couple of things I want to bring up. So um, I, people are asking, how could Lori and Alex be brainwashed by Chad if that was the situation that went down of like how do you believe something that literally the rest of us that hear that go that's the craziest thing in the world like your kids are your kids are um uh, demons or your kids are zombies and we got to kill the zombies so the lord can come if somebody tells you that you just call the police on him run the other way you don't buy into it how do you buy into you said people who need something in their life feel like is that what it is? What they do is I've studied cults. My dad was a cult leader. Isn't that funny? My dad ran mule rides in the Pocono Mountains. He had a, a, a whole group of women. He called it his harem. I remember one time I was getting a tour of the Poconos. They thought I was this Hollywood comedian. And the guy's there with his little schmokin coal miner actually goes, over here, Craig, you got your coits and there's your racquetball. If you like to play racquetball, there's a, I, there you got 10, oh, we got a lot of things. Just over this whole, uh, the honeymoon capital of the Northeast here in the Poconos. And he goes, oh my gosh, look at that. There's AJ Shoemaker and his harem. What's that nut doing here? And I got to go, that's my dad. <laughs> oh my gosh. In years he walked up, takes my complimentary cheese tray to get to this former. Yeah, we bring this back to the girls at the ranch. Judy loves Gouda. Oh my God. Cheese tray. And then he's banging on my door the next morning. Go, come on, let's go. They're all waiting for you. Suddenly we're father and son running mule rides. He goes, come on, we'll tell stories. People are, it's my fans showed up to, to take a mule ride after my show the next day. But yeah, he's he was charismatic and he had 14 women. That was his maximum. He called it his harem. He, he, he decided who slept with him each night. He would decide and it was all based on performance. And then when they were chosen, they felt like they were at their happiest because he chose them for that day. They worked the hardest and they earned his love. And that Manson did this and they, play, they prey upon vulnerability. I have a personal question for you. What was what was your sister's relationship with her dad? What was um? 
I like people ask me that all the time and I I didn't see anything like uh, nothing. Okay. Because that's a lot of times they prey upon that vulnerability or the male figure or whatever it is like it, so this this cult leader that got my ex-wife she preyed upon the vulnerability of when they hit menopause man we have no idea because we're dudes we have no idea what it goes on chemically what goes on with their hormones so there's that is an easy prey that's like that's like wolverine time they're just going to swoop in on that and then when she's married to a powerful guy like me i'm that's not a braggy way but you know i'm I'm out there and make a great living and done very well and stuff. Oh, and, and obviously he's dominant. He's a dominant male. And you don't want that. You want your freedom. She called it sovereign freedom, mamas. And she t- literally appeals to mamas. Get your And she says, get out of your golden cage. I like to live in a golden cage for like a minute. Have somebody support. <laughs> right. This is factual, by the way. These are the words that she uses. And my wife would cry. I'm in a golden cage. So, you know, you're shaking your head going, that sounds nuts. Now, when she's crying, do you think that she thinks it's nuts? She absolutely believes it because brainwashing is a bombardment. She spent hundreds and hundreds of hours listening to this pontificating of this woman that was constantly appealing to somebody who is at a crossroads, somebody's at a difficult time, somebody's in fear of, oh my God, I've been dominated by this guy and I don't want this anymore. And it was it was so sad to watch to the point of violence to the point of kidnapping i mean it's just unbelievable what i have witnessed and on the other side of it i can guarantee you this oh you know what she did by the way uh, she was missing one day probably with the cult and lied about her whereabouts so i took I finally five hours later i said where were you i took her phone i go i'll give this back to you if you tell me where you were instead of now this really tells you she's protecting someone she charged me like a wild animal clawing at me and beating me and I just kept pushing her away, go, no, I'll give it back. I probably should have just given it back, but I didn't. And she ran off into the dark. Sure enough, the police showed up at my house. And guess what? Arrested me. Of course. Now, you know what the guy said to me, the cop? They wouldn't listen to me. I said, look at the scratches. You know, I was the one who was being, oh, no. They ain't going to hear a big six-foot-two white guy. They go, you can thank OJ. That's what they kept saying. You can thank OJ. And they put me in jail, cuffs, put me in jail for over 24 hours on a slab. While she's taking the kids, not letting them speak to me and all that, restraining her and all that. That's what happens to dudes. Because no one's going to listen to us. Because we have been horrible, kind of horrible people for centuries, you know, put smallpox in the blankets of Native Americans and everything else, slavery. Yeah, that's us. That's what we did. But I'm not doing it, but we're gonna we're gonna pay for that. And not just not just that, real quick, Craig, what you said. My, so Charles, Lori's husband, was telling the police. My wife, my ex-wife said she's going or was going to kill me. Um, she's going, she's she's going crazy, and the police don't listen to a guy that's you know six foot two and two hundred thirty pounds. They're that do you see the wife as a tiny little thing? They're like, yeah, she's going to kill you. I had them come to my house, and the guy goes, uh, "Sorry, pal." He goes, uh, "Listen, we just had to clean up somebody who smashed his wife's head and, and bloody on the ground." And you think we're going to come here for your scratches? You know, they basically, then they just walked away. Yeah. I've had people that I think that the cop is listening to me and then they'll just go away. I mean, there's nobody that's in support of this and they're just going to wait till it's too late. Yeah. That's the, that's the problem. That's what happened with your families. It was too late. Yeah. And you got to have people, especially with the, uh, with the police department, have a whole division that handles this domestic stuff. They just focus on that. 
Well, we, and there's the money for it, but we don't spend the money on things like that. We spend the money on hashtags on let, let's make sure that somebody uh, you know is called the right pro round. Uh, let's let's <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a whole segment of that announcement. I'm trans myself. That's right. <laughs> My relative <laughs> from Europe, so I'm transatlantic. <laughs> so. With the reason I wanted to have Craig on a is to ex- explain that a little bit. His dad was a cold was did a cold leader. Um, he talked a little bit about brainwashing. He's going through something similar that I was not knowing, like not knowing if your wife is going to do anything to your kids. But my mom and sister were like, "There is no way Lori would ever hurt her kids." In denial again, I was like, and when they were on TV saying that. I was screaming at the TV going, you idiots, she's killed the kids. They're dead. They got to be dead because otherwise she wouldn't be going to jail. Horrible. Yeah. So it's just, you, yeah, you just feel lonely and you feel like you feel helpless. That's the problem. Oh, you also feel attacked. I mean, I just feel attacked. I mean, there's nothing I can do. I try to get the kids. We did an intervention with the kids and the kids were crying and she, instead of saying, I'm sorry, she stamped up and down. It looked like uh, she was possessed by demons, and sometimes I think that could be the case. Like, yeah, and I, I thought the same thing about Lori. I said, who knows? That's that's an option. And it, in this case, anything is open. I, I'm not going to shut the door on anything. Anything down. You can't call it conspiracy theory. You can't call it, the, you know, that I'm I'm the crazy one because I think these things, or she could go that far. Because there's too many examples. I just happen to be watching another cult documentary, and you're the brother <laughs> and I and my picture comes up and you're like, oh my gosh. Well, Rex, Rex and I have been talking about cults and maybe Lori Alex Chad's situation with other people were more Rex was don't we think there there could be something more cultish about it? Oh, definitely. I think they fit the definition of a cult. It's just I don't know yet, and that's that's very deliberate phrasing. I don't know yet how big it was. We only know of about six or eight people in this small group. There may have been others, and we are open to finding that out. We even have some people we know that are that are looking into that. And how big was this? How extensive was it? What are other possible co-conspirators? In fact, uh, Lori's, I can't remember the, the legal term for it, but the charge for Lori in, in uh, court named her and her co-conspirators known and unknown. So even even the indictment left the door open that there may be more people involved in this. There probably is. I mean, most likely. I mean, this is how it happens. It's the peer pressure. I, I visited this woman, the leader. I visited her Facebook page, and she said, there's a husband out there that's blaming me for the dissolution of his marriage and i see all these women like attacking me having no idea who i am they go she didn't leave that marriage she escaped i'm going are you serious you guys know nothing and they it's all under the auspices of business and freedom for women and all this kind of stuff which i believe in i've been a feminist my whole life of course have your freedom i will support your freedom absolutely there's equality and absolutely but this is not the way to go about it, is to bash the man and make sure the man is the enemy and then, therefore, you can justify all of your actions that have hurt your children. Then, of course, if I say anything in return, I'm hurting the children. You're putting them in the middle. I say to her, no, you're putting them in the middle every day that they have to think to themselves, why aren't my parents divorced? Why are they divorced? 
What in the world? Why is my mom attacking my father? Why did she take us out in the middle of the night? They're in the middle. But if I say something, then I'm the one who's putting them in the middle. And it sucks. It sucks. I swear to God, I have very few defenders. I'll go to therapists. I, I go out of my mind. I go, you got to be kidding me. And, and here's the worst part about it. I already dealt with another ex-wife that did worse, if you can believe it. <laughs> right. Well, it's a, yeah. Wait a minute. So me defending myself, I become the enemy. I give them exactly what they want. So if I'm going to coach somebody, that is the one thing. You really, I really, I really have to take a pause, a sacred pause, and stop with the reactions sometimes. No, all the time. I have to watch my reactions because my defense is no better than her offense. That's how it's seen. First of all, the children don't know the difference. Defense, offense, they don't know who started it. That's the thing that's really key here is keeping the balance. Then people do believe you more if you keep the balance. I just made a video, by the way. I'm going to I'm gonna send it out to all the family and friends. It's a plea. And I talk about your documentary in it. And I said, listen, this is a friend of mine, and I, I, you never think it's real until it's real. And I said, please listen to me. And I said, if not, speak to the kids. Does anybody have the courage to speak to my kids? They all have the truth. They watched it. They witnessed it. They've seen no violence from me and only violence from mommy. But you know who's going to get it? Old big guy over here. And I'm not saying this to be a victim, act like a victim. And I do my very, very best, my very best to be accountable and reasonable. And I will tell you one thing that I did that did manifest something great. And I hope people do hear this. I'm a very spiritual man, very much into a higher source, God, whatever you want to call it. Deem it it's whatever you deem it to be. I deem mine to be the big G and gov governs what I do. As long as I take that sacred pause, that spiritus is a Latin word for breath. As long as I do that breath, much better will come out, much better results. So I was on my way to Hawaii. She had already been with the kids for her time. Now it's my turn with the kids. On my way to Hawaii, they're sitting back of me. And literally this force told me, write her a note. 22 pages came out of me. Complete amends, mea culpa. It's, it's only me. This is how I'm responsible. I'm accountable. I brought this in. Here's what I did. Because I did some things like, you know, like uh, chastising her or criticizing her, all those things. It's not going to get any better because I'm doing that. But anyway, I had no empathy when I'm coming at her and coming at her with this stuff. And I, I, 22 pages came out of me, handwritten. She happened to be in Hawaii at the time at her sister's place. And I said, I got off the plane. I felt very cleansed. I said, there's going to be a note for you at the front desk of our hotel. She wasn't supposed to see the kids that week. I was supposed to be with them alone. That was the schedule. I said, we'll be at the pool if you're into the note. And if you're not, fine. She says, a text from me goes, I'm halfway through the first page. I'm already crying. We had the most amazing time in Hawaii. The entire time we were hanging out together, dinners, laughing, and the kids. She said, I've never seen them this happy. Now, Common sense would say, then why would you want to continue that? And she got back to the mainland and went right back to the cult and then gets brainwashed and it all goes away. But I will tell you, the kids had about three weeks because when we did come back, had her for a game night and dinners. I have to be the example for the kids. And the only thing that's ever going to happen in a good way for her to get to her better space is not going to be from me pressuring her, not from me telling her what not to do and criticizing her. It's going to be more inviting and more self-examining and so forth. So this is what I encourage people to do. That part worked. When we get back to the fighting is when I'm fighting that I'm disagreeing with these actions that she takes and I'm almost punishing. So then I do become the big bad guy. So I just tell that story 
to offer a little bit of hope here because I do believe that is the way to handle things. And I'm, I'm already started. I'm refreshing again. I'm rebooting. I sent her a nice note this morning. Good morning. You know, she's had my son away, which was frightening for three days. Frightening. I did prevent her from going out of state. That I have the right to do. I have no right to do anything here in in-state. So instead of like leaning on it, doing restraining order and causing more angst and frustration and the kids are in the middle of that and that toxicity, I said, all right, take a breath, step back. It's going to be okay. And just be encouraging. And that's what I would recommend to everybody. And also add some sense of humor. I, I send her jokes now and then too. Yeah. I love that. Um, as we're, as that, that, that note, that perception of having hope and doing the right things and being humble and all those things. It's, that's what Rex and I have been talking about hope and, and healing and all those things. The next time we have you on, I would love to do a session where you, I saw one of your uh, sessions that you had people laughing as hard as they can to get the endorphins and all. I want you, next time we have you on, I want to do a whole podcast on just that part of healing that people really don't know about. Is that cool with you? Absolutely. It's I call it guided laughitation. I created it when my best friend got brain cancer and I had these workshops and he showed up for all of it. They gave him three months to live. You you, you met him. He was actually the director of the, oh no, he wasn't. Yeah. Oh, was, you met him though. Yeah. Brain cancer and three months to live. And he showed up for everything, including these guided laughitations. I have another thing called chuckle chatter. We just laugh, laugh, laugh. And you get to yeah. the meaninglessness of things. We put so much meaning onto things. And by the way, the more you put meaning onto something, the more chance it has of manifesting, of you creating that. You're creating the mess. By being in that dark space, you create more darkness. Bring the light and the levity and the love. That's what the laughitation does. You get to, wow, I put a lot onto that one. And I wasn't looking at myself at all, was I? I was just blaming them and I was being a victim. So and then you really get to, to, to the idea of what life really is about. We're all, all born. We're born these light, beautiful beings. But then we get conditioned and conditioned and conditioned. And she just got conditioned. She got conditioned by the wrong force. Yeah. That's what it is. And, and we're conditioned also to listen to people and to deify people and to have leaders that are not our leaders. We're our own leaders. If we listen to our insides, listen to your own pulse, your own heart, your own being, your own spirit. Just listen to that. Pay attention. Just take a little break from the action. I don't watch the news anymore on purpose because all they're doing is getting you upset and the drug company sponsors the news that handles the anxiety they just gave you. So that's the whole cycle you're in. I'm out of the cycle. In my own damn cycle, I'm going to bring more happiness, more love, and more light, more laughter, more levity. Just bring that to the world. Watch what comes back. Now, that's the theory, and about 20 minutes from now, I'm going to write her a nasty email. <laughs> it's just like Rex says, listen to your conscience. This has been a great podcast. Craig, we thank you so much, and we can't wait to have you on again because I want to go over that whole thing. Uh, and for everybody, let's, not, let's not rush um, some important information here. Craig, we didn't ask you. Please tell us what you do, how to find your podcast, what the name of it is, what you do if people want to find out more, how they can find out find you in what you do. Okay. Well, follow me at craigshoemaker.com. Sign up for my mailing list and you, hopefully you can join my course. I have a course called Winning with Humor, Winning with Laughter. It's a real step-by-step process too. That it does involve you know, mind, body, and spirit. It engages all of it. Laughter is definitely a great pathway to get to that enlightenment. We all need to be more enlightened in this world. We're not enlightened right now. It's a very dark place, especially internet 
really exposes us to more, even more darkness. And they prey upon that. That's what this woman did with my wife, preyed upon the darkness, took her away literally for a week, for a week to Australia. I mean, to the, the medicine journeys and all they, they call it the, like someone term is really good. It's called the wellness grift. There are people that propose to be these wellness people. They have the formula for your life. No, they don't. It takes a lot of work to re-examine your life, to work on yourself, to reprogram yourself. It doesn't take these little get rich quick, you know, multi-level marketing. That's what she got my wife involved with. Step back, step back, be yourself. So that's why I teach. I teach transformation. And hopefully people can look me up. I'm official Craig Shoemaker on Instagram. The podcast is not started. It's supposed to start this week. I'm going to have big guests. And you know what? It's called Craig Shoemaker Still Standing Up. Because I'm standing, still standing up, very resilient. You know, I was, uh, my dad left when I was born. I, you know, he's a cult leader. I was kidnapped at 13 by a serial pedophile. I've had a lot of things beaten to, almost to death. And I, I'm resilient. I'm still here. I'm still standing up. And it also could be subtitled the turnaround. It's like, how do we all turn things around? How do you turn something around? Obstacles and fears and things that are in your way. How do you turn them around? Let's all get together on that, okay? Let's not be so critical. Let's not analyze everybody, especially the ones doing good. Let's all get together. We're all one on this planet. Take laughter seriously and then join forces. And that becomes the force. But force becomes a force of light, just like Star Wars. I always love Star Wars. Wizard of Oz and Star Wars are my two mythological films that are phenomenal, and they really are about us. It really is about mind, body, scarecrow, Tim Man, and Lion together. Together, we can triumph, and we can triumph over these evil spirits and these demons that come at us, and it comes out as darkness, comes at us all the time. <laughs> a Jedi warrior? Are you going to be a clone? We're going to be warriors together okay go against these these cult leaders and these cults and we will triumph okay and now go see comedy yeah follow me please craigshoemaker.com and i love to hear from people if you did listen to me on the podcast and have any suggestions or have any feedback for me if we're in it together let's be in it together all right love it yeah don't feel free to make comments here as well on our on our podcast as well anything else rex you got the last word um, Craig, we're we're just trying to figure out the name of the people that subscribe to our channel. Our latest is we're calling them optimists, and so our optimists do comment. Many of them do comment, so we will get those. You can see the comments on on our uh, channel, and we'll we'll pass more information. And as Adam said, we'd love to collaborate more with you. I think there's a lot of information here that's that would help a lot of us, including me. I'm I'm into this myself. Would hear another coincidence besides me watching TV and there and there's Adam up there and there's Alex and all. Here's another coincidence. My kids, my nickname is Opto. Very well. That's it. That's what they call me. All right, Opto. All right, shut it down because I am very enthusiastic and very optimistic about things. I needed to be. I needed to be. Otherwise, I would have died. I, I tried now to- not an honorary optimist in our community. Yes. Okay. <laughs> My name is Opto. I'm Opto Prime. All right. So all right. I tried to suicide when I was 13 after the kidnapping. I had these neckties. I tied them around this closet and I put them on the doorknob and I was choking and dangling. My mother comes in. This is typical for my life. She goes, oh, my God, what are you doing? Those are new neckties. Get up. <laughs> Our dark humor continues with Craig Shoemaker. I love it. The true story. All right. Thanks so much, Craig. 
This has been Tylee and JJ's Silver Linings Podcast. Your input is helping us make sense of this. We encourage your comments on our Facebook page or email Tylee and JJ's Silver Linings at gmail.com.